How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Who That Dish podcast. In case you didn't know, this podcast is dedicated to all the news, information, analysis, and everything great about our favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. As always, I'm Tyler Raymond, joined by my amazing co-host, Dayton Brown. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining today's episode, a very special episode, bringing on a familiar face to all you Saints fans out there, especially you podcast junkies. Uh, without further ado, uh, I want to introduce him. He's the lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsider.com, one of the biggest uh, uh, Twitter accounts there, posting every day about the Saints, articles, videos, always seems to go viral. There's at least... 500 likes on almost every video they post. It's, it's absolutely incredible, the work they're doing over there. And, of course, he is the host over at the Locked on Saints podcast and always showing us love on Twitter as well, where you can follow him at Ross Jackson ASC. Please welcome to the show Ross Jackson. Ross, what is going on, man? Thanks for joining Woo! us today. Hey, thanks so much, guys. I appreciate you uh, having Anytime, me on. Man. As always, very excited to be here. And thank you, man, for the shout-out about the Twitter, man. It's been hard work, but we can't do it without everybody. Uh, that's involved and I mean everybody that's everybody that follows retweets likes and everything like that so make sure you follow uh, All Saints Considered over at All Saints blog on Twitter and then you can also hear me on the uh, All Saints Considered podcast at the ASC podcast as well if you don't mind me plugging those in real quick Uh, just a lot of good work being done by those folks and everything and you know really we're just trying to keep up with you boys man oh well you guys are are doing a much better job uh, than, than, than you originally thought, I'm guessing. Um, we're grinding away as well. But Tyler, man, you've missed a couple episodes. <laughs> missed yesterday. I've been sick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's okay. Uh, but it's, it's been after Christmas as well, and obviously glad you're feeling better now. But how was your yeah. Christmas? Charlie and I talked about ours a little bit yesterday. How was your Christmas? Uh, and how was your New Year's as well? My Christmas was great, man. Um, I got a Saints gear. I got a Lattimore jersey. A Saints Division Champs hat and shirt that I've been rocking like all the time now. Uh, some clothes and stuff. I've been loving it. Best part is, so Saints have the first seed in the NFC. Best team in the NFL right now. So Fantastic. And that's like the best present I could receive at all. New Year's was good, though. But yeah, man, I'm just kicking at it every day, you know. Loving the positivity and the good vibes from the Saints, so present we didn't even have to unwrap it wasn't even underneath the tree it, exactly it, it just fell into <laughs> our laps towards the end of the year, year. Yeah, exactly ross i hope you had a merry christmas as well and a happy new year uh and did, did you get any uh saints gear at all yo this, i this did year? i got yeah i got a couple of little things i didn't get any jerseys or anything like that but i gotta tell you my favorite thing that i got and it's saints related but it's not like saints gear uh my fiance actually bought me uh, a mouse pad a pen and a phone case that have the All Saints Considered podcast logo on them. So, like, my mouse pad right next to me right now is chilling with my face on it and everything. Like, it's so so dope. And then uh, and I got a stack of because people don't know this about me, but I love playing cards. And so I, I have literally like I've been fidgeting with them since I've been sitting at the computer. Mm. Uh, my my Saints playing cards now, too, which are like going to yeah. become a low key prize possession for me, too. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, no, awesome. That's, that's fantastic. Fiance of the year right there. Yeah, that's for like, real. <laughs> that's that's absolutely awesome, Tyler. Uh, what Which jersey did you get? A lot more jersey, right? Oh, yeah, fantastic. man. Yeah, that's that's the move right that's there. That's a good one. That's a good one right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Great to hear. Um, and speaking of the Saints and, and, and joyous times, uh, since 2018 is now officially over, we have entered 2019, and the 2018 to 19 regular season is in the books. Uh, I wanted to go over the last calendar year with you guys specifically. I wanted to talk about our favorite moments. Obviously, 2018 full of a lot of ups and a few downs, including the uh, mini, I mean, uh, uh, Minneapolis miracle, um, which is now meaningless, of course. Um, but at the time that was one of the lowest moments in saints history, but I want to talk about the good stuff. I want to talk about, again, clinching the number one seed. That's, that's obviously one of my favorite memories. That was absolutely fantastic. It was perfect time around Christmas. Ross, I'll start with you, man. Uh, favorite 2018 moments from the saints. Oh man, you know, there's a lot to choose from. You've there got all the things that, yeah, you, there's all the things that Drew Brees did. There's, you know, Taysom Hill and, and his mixing in and out all over the offense and special teams and everything like that. But I got to go with, um, uh, it was on, uh, it was the week 11 game against the Philadelphia Eagles mm. uh, mm. home game. That was the game where Doug Peterson had won that bet. Y'all remember that? Mm-hmm, <laughs> that is, yeah. uh, and so they got to wear their midnight green home jerseys in New Orleans. And so the Saints countered by wearing the, like the greatest of all time color rush jersey that, that mm-hmm. exists. Um, 
And in that game, I mean, that was a great game for the Saints altogether on the field. But my actually one of my favorite memories is off the field or I guess on the sidelines. They had come back or I guess it was during one of the commercial breaks or something like that. And, you know, these New Orleans Saints superstars have had a really good way of finding ways to ingrain themselves within the culture, whether it's through music, whether it's through like rocking. You know, Michael Thomas is always rocking like cash money garb or no limit garb and stuff like that. Um, You know, Alvin Kamara is always shouting out in memory of his lost homie, Young Greatness, who was a Baton Rouge and y'all know I'm from New Orleans. I'm I'm born and bred NOLA and everything. And so I love seeing that. Uh, you know, you can see all the work that Ben Watson and Demario Davis have done in the community just in terms of legislature and things like that. But uh, during one of those commercial breaks, they had caught footage of Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas getting down to uh, get your roll on, which is like a New Orleans bounce classic big timers song and everything and like that that moment of them dancing and the crowd just going nuts and everything in the dome going crazy which of course later led to you know chapa sal being revived after it's sick you know being released 16 years ago and stuff like that just all the different examples of this saints team who's still in the midst of building its legacy let's not forget that this team has only been in existence since the late 1960s so it's still in the midst of building their legacy and they're building their legacy as one of the teams that has found a way to become so important not just because of of, you know, being on the field, but also for taking on the personification of its culture and its community. And I think some of that stuff, that's some of my favorite memories. And that one in particular, Get Your Roll On, might be on top of my list. Nothing better than a blowout win at home, leading yep. to moments like that. Absolutely yep. fantastic. Uh, good good, good pick. That, that's, that's actually one of the, the moments that stand out in terms of off the field um, stuff for the Saints uh, uh, this past season. Tyler, what what about you? <laughs> Uh, favorite moments 2018 can be from any point in the calendar year. What was your favorite yeah, moment of this last year for the Saints? Yeah, so would it be anything else? Uh, it's funny, Ross, you mentioned blowout wins at home and Michael Thomas dancing. I got to see history uh, being made, guys. I, I was in New Orleans with my dad. Shout out to my old man, Pops, uh, for his 50th birthday. We flew out into New Orleans for the week and got to see the Saints blow out Molly Wop give a smack into whatever you want to call it 43 and 19 to the Washington Redskins and <laughs> oh yeah it was awesome man it was so cool you know like the culture the experience of food the music everything man it was so crazy michael thomas was dancing like everything was nuts i loved it and for my first home game like to see the saints it's crazy and i can even say better like how cool is it to say that like you saw the saints possibly the year that they won their super bowl uh, their second super bowl so i'm hoping that comes true too but uh crazy experience it was just it was amazing absolutely not to mention you got to see the record man yeah the record too man yeah. it, it was dope you know and man i got you breezes autograph that day too dope hey there you go that's a that's a good one that's, <laughs> i love that, it no that, that tops anything i mean i I need to go to New Orleans, you guys. I need. I you need, need to. to they, and you I have oh, to. Yeah, yeah. And that's. The, yeah. I mean. I mean. It's most likely going to happen in 2019. I'm. I'm not shouting out any guarantees on this podcast right now because I know sure, everyone sure. will hold me accountable. But <laughs> very strong possibility I end up in New Orleans in 2019. Uh, we'll just stay tuned. But for 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 moments like that, what you both of you were just talking about. Um, and also shout out yes, when we were talking about Saints games, Tony Twilly over at hoodatdish.com. I got to meet him too. That oh, day. yeah, 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 yeah. You got to meet him over there. You got to meet actually a few other people from, from yeah, Twitter. Yeah, Sean Williams from Under the Dome. Which which is absolutely nice. fantastic. And you guys can listen to that podcast. Um, I think that was, what, back in uh, October. Um, yeah, middle first of week October. October. Yeah, yeah. Um, so check out that podcast if you want to hear the full story from Tyler's experience in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot what I was talking about because I went off on this tangent. But How about oh, your year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2019, going to New Orleans. And, yeah, for moments like that, you guys got to meet um, so many awesome people. And, oh, yeah, and, and Tony Twilly. He uh, always has a uh, series on com called um, Views from the Cheap Seats or Observations from the Cheap Seats. Um, and it's, he's a season ticket holder up in the uh, you know upper levels there in the Dome. Uh, but he's a passionate fan, goes to every single home game, always writes up on it. So I highly suggest you guys check that out, and I'm extremely jealous of Tony. That sounds like a fantastic, Mm -hmm. fantastic way to spend your Sundays. For me, my favorite moment of 2018, obviously I loved all the records that the Saints broke. uh, uh, Drew Brees breaking the record, Michael Thomas breaking the single season, uh, receiving yards record for the Saints, also leading the league in receptions. Drew Brees breaking the completion percentage record as well. For me, though, 
the 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 moment that I think irked people the most in a way that confused me so much and made me love this team even more, even more than than watching them win. That this elevated it to another level. It was the cell phone moment by Michael Thomas. That oh, was that was my yeah. favorite moment. Going up against the Rams, a juggernaut team who is now the number two seed. Looking back on this, it 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 adds even more perspective. Rams are now the number two seed. We knew they were going to be good, but now they're the other team with the bye with the Saints. Ended up leading to one of the biggest and best wins uh, in, in at least a few years for the Saints. And that's saying a lot because they've had a lot of big wins against, uh, you know, a juggernaut offensive team like the Rams, who were still at the time, you know, fairly put together on defense, so to speak. I mean, they hadn't completely fallen apart at that point. Both teams were yeah, on, on win streaks. Um, and Michael Thomas getting that wide-open touchdown past Marcus Peterson, who was so bitter after the game, and that was great to see as well. But then saluting Joe Horn with the cell phone celebration after the touchdown, which, which really gave the Saints all the momentum and, and, and ultimately led to the win. Um, that, that, that was my favorite moment for sure. And, and people on Twitter, I mean, it, it was either you absolutely loved what Michael Thomas did because you were sane or you hated what he did because you, you, I, I guess you just don't like fun. Uh, uh, you needed, you needed something to write about that. Week. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, you need, you needed some material. And we're looking at you reporter from Atlanta. I'm not going to say, I'm not going <laughs> to say any names, but, um, that, 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 that was, that was my favorite moment. If I had to pick one, um, the, moment. the cell phone moment, the first off the salute, to the um, past of the Saints and Ross, you talk about building a legacy. Salute to the uh, former guys who have helped build this legacy of the yeah. fantastic New Orleans Saints. It was just a great moment, beating one of the top teams in the league, which ended up, you know, leading to a, a really important tiebreaker, getting us, uh, you know, a buy in the number one seed. So. Uh, great stuff. Uh, all, all of our memories. I think pretty much every memory that you guys have that are listening right now is great as well. Be sure to tweet us at the WDD podcast. We really want to hear your thoughts. Um, and you can also follow uh, Tyler at Raymond Tyler M and myself at nice. Dayton underscore Brown underscore. Uh, give us a follow and tweet us as well. Uh, we love hearing your content. And we love reading it on the show. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Moving on now to a little bit a different, a little bit more negative news, so to speak, but <laughs> entertaining nonetheless. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, who missed out on the playoffs, uh, uh, were pretty much in line to clinch their division and fumbled it away the last three weeks of the season uh, to a rookie quarterback. Um, the Steelers out of the playoffs, now they're uh, just in absolute dysfunction. Antonio Brown uh, uh, apparently had missed the game uh, due to an injury originally, uh, but now it's reported that really he did not want to really show up to the game there at all for the Steelers or have anything to do with them after a scuffle there, uh, a verbal scuffle with uh, uh, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and then you also had uh, most likely Mike Tomlin saying some words to Antonio Brown that frustrated him on Wednesday that week. And he really didn't show up or do anything with the team until that following Sunday where he was ruled out. A lot of stuff going on. Apparently, he requested a trade, but none of the paperwork has actually been filed. He appeared on The Masked Singer last night, um, and that was news that Charlie broke on the podcast yesterday. He was like, hey, yeah, did you see Antonio Brown's on The Masked Singer? I was like, what? Obviously, it happened a long time ago, but a coincidence is a coincidence, and it's happening at the perfect time, adding to the drama. Um, but guys, what, what is up with the Steelers? Obviously it doesn't affect the saints too, too much because totally different conference, different division, whatnot, but the Steelers are still one of the better teams in the league. And the saints did just beat them a few weeks ago, uh, probably adding fuel to that dysfunctional fire there. What are you guys' thoughts on all of this? Is it who's, who's in the right? Who's in the wrong to me? I'm, I'm actually siding with AB just because Ben Roethlisberger, the way that he carries himself outside of the field, he's a fantastic quarterback, but the way that he when he talks to the media, treats his teammates, the people around him, his coaches, he does not seem like a team guy and a team player. So I really don't blame Antonio Brown for acting out like this. But I, I, want, I want to know your guys' thoughts. What are you thinking of this crazy drama there going on in Pittsburgh? You can go first, Ross. All right. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad that you brought up Ben Roethlisberger because I've always found. I mean, look, you can. There's a couple of examples here just from this season how how toxic he's been. Um, Ben Roethlisberger and the way that he talked about Le'Veon Bell when Le'Veon Bell was dealing with his holdout uh, and everything and, you know, not wanting to play and get injured on a franchise tag and all these other things that are actually kind of understandable. Uh, but then also, like, uh, Mason Rudolph getting drafted and the way that he he treated Mason Rudolph, everything coming in, like, Mason Rudolph was actually a threat to him in some way, which is just weird because it's it's it just kind of makes me wonder how confident you must be and things like that. So it's just... <laughs> 
just like really, really interesting dude altogether. But you know what? I'm I'm all about this for AB. And and look, when players move, it makes the it makes the the NFL more exciting. Um, you know, it's part of what this generation of football is is player movement and things like that, and being able to follow your favorite player to other teams or watching your favorite team if you're a person that roots for a team as opposed to players, watching your favorite team get better or try to sort of you know, overcome something that looks like, you know, insurmountable adversity and things like that. So if Antonio Brown goes anywhere, my eyes are on San Francisco. Mm. Um, Just going to mention that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They've got the cap space for him. They've got the franchise quarterback. They got the follow on Instagram. That's right, that's right. He (laughs) He got tweeted by George Kittle, too. Yep, he and Kittle were cutting up on Instagram and everything like that. And then Le'Veon Bell's tweeting him like, yo, Mm -hmm. where are we going, man? And Mm -hmm. so, like. If there's any team that's got the ability right now in terms of salary and things like that to make something major happen, uh, it would be the San Francisco 49ers. And that, to me, not necessarily the same level, but that's pretty close to the NFL equivalent of LeBron James to the Lakers, right? right. There are certain, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's just certain teams in the NFL that when they are good, the NFL is better. And San Francisco is one of those teams, one of the largest fan bases and followings in the nation. Uh, history franchise, one of the most winning franchises, whether you're talking about just like regular season record or championship winning. Uh, and so, you know, look, if let it let it all happen, let it all unfold. I don't know that it's necessarily going to mean the end for Pittsburgh. They still have Big Ben. Who's to say if that's a good thing or not at this point? <laughs> They've still got James Conner. Mike Tomlin's still around. Their defense has improved. They still got Juju Smith-Schuster, and they draft incredibly well mm. uh, in mm-hmm. terms of being able to get people like T.J. Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, people that come in and immediately contribute. So I think that even if this were to happen, we know Le'Veon Bell's not coming back to Pittsburgh. That ain't happening. Uh, but if they also lose Antonio Brown, there's still enough ammunition around that team that they could continue to succeed. And especially with as well as they draft, I don't think that it's the end of them, but certainly it would make things more exciting. And I'm with you, Dayton, man. I'm all about I'm all about this for A.B. Mm. Yeah, it's It's crazy. Uh, for, first off, San Francisco has a fantastic legacy. It is pretty crazy to see uh, uh, how much, I guess, traction they are gaining with free agency. I think it's due to John Lynch, but I think a majority of it has to do with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's date this last off season. Uh, that, that could just be me, though. Uh, Tyler, what are you thinking of this whole this whole situation uh, with AB, Big Ben? Also, reports obviously coming out. Um, not sure how true they are due to the trade request not actually being filed. Uh, right now as we speak, uh, obviously could, could change pretty soon. Um, but, but with that report also came Antonio Brown's frustration stemming from, uh, Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger being a little bit too buddy, buddy to, to summarize. He, he doesn't really like the format that they're running with Mike Tomlin favoring Big Ben. Um, but what are you thinking overall of the situation? Uh, and, and do you think Big Ben, um, or, or excuse me, uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are both uh, gone this offseason for, for the Steelers? Man, part of me doesn't even know what to think. I think it's kind of funny that leave it to the Steelers to sort of just give away their best players. You know, had an amazing running back, doesn't want to pay him a couple more million dollars. He's going to be gone. Uh, now they're feuding with their best receiver. He's going to be gone, basically, and it's kind of funny. You know, it makes it like you, you guys hit it nail on the head. Definitely makes things more interesting, you know, when you, you hear about all the drama, you see it uh, firsthand on social media. Uh, George Kittle tweeting him, you know, the 49ers tight end, uh, him tweeting him back, unfollowing the Steelers on Instagram, following the 49ers. Then they have all the cap space. It's literally crazy. And, uh, and Colin How- uh, Cowherd said it best. The Steelers are the Kardashians of the NFL, man. Just drama, drama, drama. Goes back even, man, people are going to hate me for saying this, but it goes back even years ago when Big Ben had the whole rape thing going on, you know? Like, mm. they just can't get away from the drama, you know? And I think they're both going to be gone. And like you guys said, you know, the 49ers have the cap space. That would make them a huge threat in the NFC West if uh, they get Jimmy G healthy and they have a bunch of weapons, but... It's crazy, and I, I essentially think this is the demise of the Steelers. Like like you said, Ross, they've got a ton of weapons, but it doesn't look good either, and it's a huge distraction. You know, the NFL people, they're always thinking, you know, and we have something huge like this, not once with a running back, but twice with a wide receiver. Like, it throws everything upside down. And, yes, I do think the Saints had something to do with their demise, though, too. Well, last week, you know, uh, uh, near the end of the season, uh, they – the one last second, I think that had a really big factor. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean Juju was crying after the game, so it was very, very that emotional for them. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy. Ben Roethlisberger is going to go down as one of the most interesting quarterbacks, and I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. I mean, Super Bowl champion twice now, uh, possibly have more, but it always seems like he could retire at any time. But he's one of the very few quarterbacks who can get away with, again, the the you know assault allegations that he had against him. Uh, so many years ago, which actually I, I, I think yeah. it, I think it's only about six or seven years ago since that happened, um, may, maybe eight. Uh, but still, it seems like that was an eternity ago because it just kind of got after everything was kind of settled, it got swept under the rug. Ross, I love that you brought up his whole, you know, I guess attitude towards Mason Rudolph being drafted, and and he was kind of bitter towards both. Rudolph and the Steelers organization for mm-hmm. for doing that um but you know as as a franchise guy as a, as a quarterback um who's played so many years for a franchise that's taken care of him so well you'd think that you'd be supportive of them at least yeah, right. preparing for the future um if any other quarterback in the NFL said that I feel like I it, it, it's something he, he would have dropped off a lot more than Ben Roethlisberger would have. I, I don't know what it is about Big Ben, but he seems to have immunity. Or, or, or I guess immunity is the wrong word because he does get backlash, but it, it's not as strong as it should be. I don't know what it, I mean, talent obviously is part of it. Um, I, I, I really don't know what what else is letting him slip by because a lot of other quarterbacks would, would get a lot more scrutiny for doing a lot of the stuff and saying a lot of the things that Ben Roethlisberger does and says. Um, so it's really interesting, and, and that's part of the reason, again, why, why I'm on a B-side, because we've seen in the past Ben Roethlisberger really isn't that great of a guy. Um, talented yeah. guy, talented quarterback, but he's not really that great of a guy. How good of a teammate do you really think he is behind closed doors when openly to the media he criticizes them, finds ways to pick at them? Um, it it's, uh, just confuses me as to, as to how he slides by so easily. But um, interesting stuff. It, it fuels the offseason drama for the – NFL, which is competing now with uh, the exciting NBA offseason. So I'm really excited to see how this turns out for AB, Le'Veon Bell, some of the other free agents. Um, we're going to have a lot of free agent shows this offseason for the Saints and for the NFL as a whole. I think a lot of things are going to be changing. But um, enough of that. If, if you guys want to let us know your thoughts on the Steelers situation, again, tweet us at the WDD Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And now rolling into the playoffs and the talk about that, and Ross, I actually want to get to a really good point you made on your podcast. Obviously, the Saints are either going to play the Eagles, the Seahawks, or the Cowboys in the divisional round, and that all depends on what happens in the wildcard round. For the Seahawks, and I agree with you after mulling over it, because again, the the um, Saints have played both the Cowboys and the Eagles so far this season, uh, and they also played the Rams, so that's half of the NFC um, that, that, that the Saints have played. Actually, over half of the teams that the Saints could possibly face, they've already played. Eagles and Cowboys, we know what we can see with them. We, we've, we've seen the Saints go up against them. For the Seahawks, it's a little bit different, and I really like that you compared the Seahawks' statistics from this past season with that of the 9 Arizona Cardinals, who the Saints played in the divisional round uh, during the Super Bowl run there. Um, and uh, the most interesting stat was the fact that there's only a seven-yard difference between the defensive rushing yards given up uh, from the Seahawks this last season and with the 9 Arizona Cardinals. And they were pretty decent numbers. I think it was only around 1,800 rushing yards um, uh, given up in the season. Um, so expand off that, if you will, or, or go ahead and, and, and make the same spiel you did on your podcast about why the Seahawks worry you the most when it comes to who the Saints could play in the divisional round. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was kind of crazy when I came across that. But um, it's just one of those things that, you know, history, we've already seen history beginning to repeat itself with that 2009 year, 13 and three with losses to the same three teams went in, you know, win streak ended by the Cowboys. All of that stuff is is just eerily present. And then now all of a sudden we have this team, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, that essentially have almost the exact same defensive stats this year that the uh, Arizona Cardinals had before what would have, what was their, you know, that divisional round matchup for the saints in 2009. And yeah, you're right. It was about, it was around 1800 is 1804 yards, a lot rushing yards allowed over the uh, total season for the uh, Cardinals. And then 1811 
uh, for this season for the Seahawks and stuff. And so that, and then the, the, the Cardinals in 2009 had a better, uh, passing defense by over a hundred yards, uh, which isn't a lot. I mean, that's not a ton at all. So that's really close to, uh, so, I mean, the, the saints have shown, you know, in, in that game against that defense, the saints hung 45 points on the Cardinals. And that mm-hmm. was with less firepower than what they have this year. Look, I understand 2009, they won the Super Bowl, but let's not pretend like the 2009 team was as stacked with offensive talent as this year's team is. Mm-hmm. This year's team is an entirely different monster. Just just looking at Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, just looking at the two of them, it's an entirely different team, and it's a team with a ton of firepower. And then you add in Michael Thomas, and then you add in Ted Ginn Jr., and you know, every six weeks or so, you add in Traquan Smith and things like that. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, he's he's due, he's due, uh, and he's I, I expect him to be a big time player for the playoffs. But yeah, when it comes to a team out of the three that they could possibly face in the divisional round, the Seahawks are the ones that concern me the most. However, they don't concern me a ton just because of what history you brought up and the history that we just discussed. Uh, but the other part of it that you know, makes the Seahawks a much more challenging team is that they've got, in my opinion, the second most experienced playoff quarterback in the NFC in Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might put Nick Foles above him. I would never. Um, I hmm. think that Nick Foles does a really good job at like catching lightning in a bottle in January. And mm-hmm. I think that there is there's there's validity in that. And there's you know, that that's that's not to be discounted. But just in terms of as Russell, just in terms of Russell Wilson as a playmaker and what he has the ability to do when he just creates offense on his own. Uh, I think that that's a big thing. So that matchup between him and the Saints defense would be challenging for the Saints defense. Um, you know, their wide receivers aren't fantastic. Tyler Lockett is as quick as they come and as fast as they come. Eli Apple has proven that he can keep stride uh, with those quicker receivers. You can look at Curtis Samuel, for instance, uh, in that that game, and then just a couple weeks ago against. I mean, he did he fared uh, he didn't fare well against Juju, but the week before that uh, he fared well. And so uh, you know, the Saints just do have done a good job improving their defense throughout the rest of the year and then of course it would be the number one rushing offense versus the number one rushing defense in the league yeah and the thing that's really really specific about it is that when it comes to seattle they're not doing it with an ezekiel elliott they're doing it with three guys in that backfield Mm -hmm. and you know that that can wear a defense down and that would be a different approach that the saints rushing defense hasn't really gotten to see so far this season uh shout out to the seahawks offensive line that was just like a paper bag that couldn't hold peanuts last year and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. They've put together the number one rushing attack. So I think they would be the most intriguing uh, and also the most challenging matchup, the Seahawks against the Saints. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny leading that uh, yeah. fantastic Seattle backfield. They worry me a lot. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Seattle is going to be definitely uh, the toughest in my opinion. And thank God we don't have to play the Chicago Bears uh, in the <laughs> divisional round. They worry me the most. Um, and and, and I, I just don't want to get eliminated in the, in the divisional round. I feel like Chicago could could do that. I feel a lot more confident playing Chicago in the NFC Championship game when we're not so rusty. But Chicago going off a big win at home coming into the Dome even, I think I think is really scary. So Seattle um, definitely up there for, for the toughest. What are you thinking, Tyler? Um, a lot of stuff going on with these, these three teams. Two of them, the Saints, have played. One we blew out, the other we lost to. But the Eagles have a totally different quarterback now and, and therefore a, a fairly different offensive scheme now with the, the heavy RPO there with uh, Big Dick Nick. Do you think the Eagles, Cowboys uh, are, are maybe tougher than uh, the Seahawks going up against the Saints in the divisional round? Or are you in agreement with us that the Seahawks are, are the, the biggest opponent to be worried about? Yeah, overall, I'm thinking right now the Seahawks probably uh, give the Saints the biggest challenge, even though the Saints would be at home, just because of, like we said, the quarterback play. Russell Wilson is like a magician, you know, he can run out of the pocket, he's amazing like that, doesn't really get injured doing it, you know, compared to other mobile quarterbacks, Um, and they're a really hot team right now. You know, it's just something about them. The Seahawks always find a way to be tricky and sneaky and always manage to get into the postseason somehow. But they've got a great head coach, so doesn't surprise me. I will mention though how if the Saints were to play this, uh, play the Cowboys opposed to the Seahawks, I would still be a little worried. Now, last time, of course, you know they were on the road during a three-game road streak. Blah blah blah. Uh, what worries me the most about them is just uh, the Cowboys fly to the ball defensively, and it was giving the Saints fits uh, the entire game, you know and. The Saints couldn't manage to do anything on offense, you know, until late in the game. And that's just the biggest uh, worry there. For the Eagles, they don't really worry me, 
worry me at all. It's only the little Nick Foles thing. That's not huge. But, yeah, I definitely agree, though. The Seahawks definitely pose the biggest threat to the Saints. Hopefully, if it works out perfectly for us, uh, the Eagles beat the Bears, then we won't even have to worry about the Seahawks. So, mm. let's hope that Man, happens. Wouldn't, wouldn't that just be incredible? I'd love it to play be. the Eagles. I you want to hear a crazy stat? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was actually t- uh, texting my uh, friend Chris, who's an Eagles fan, diehard, uh, family and Philly, everything. And I think, I forget where I saw it. It might have been on Twitter. But I think it was something like uh, quarterbacks who play quarterbacks. Now, quarterbacks who have won the Super Bowl, for example, Nick Foles, are 10-1 versus quarterbacks who have who have played, who are playing their first playoff game. So, for mm-hmm. example, Mitch Trubisky. And, and another thing, too, what's crazy about the Bears they have their weaknesses, and it's Mitch Trubisky. He's not perfect, and he's actually giving up leads and making crazy mistakes. So I think it's possible. People are probably, probably going to think I'm wrong, but I think it's possible for the Eagles and Nick Foles to get it done somehow. So Hey, man, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I said on Locked on Saints last night that I am actually picking the Eagles over the Bears as upset of the Ooh. century mm-hmm. because it's just the quarterback matchup, man. If you give me those quarterbacks and you give me those coaches, I'm going Philadelphia the whole way. I think it's yeah. written in the stars that Philadelphia wins this game, partially because, yes, uh, anytime you see a playoff team like Chicago, how good they are, how young they are, um, guys who are still athletic and can uh, play at the top level this time in the year, you also see year after year playoff teams a lot of momentum. We saw it with Dallas a couple years ago. Last season it was L.A. We've seen it with Kansas City before. We saw it with uh, uh, Pittsburgh last year. Uh, uh, teams who are on the road going into the playoffs um, end up sometimes absolutely laying an egg in their first game in the playoffs. <laughs> and and sometimes that's, that's super unlucky as they get a bye week, so they're extra rusty as, you know, the Rams were last year, as the Cowboys were a couple years ago uh, uh, when the Packers ended up winning. Uh, it, it, it's super interesting. I think, I think that trend is not favoring the Chicago Bears in this game. And with the Eagles, they're also on fire, but they're, they're on fire in a much different way. They're on fire as in on fire as they were last year. Our, our starting quarterback went down. Our franchise guy backup has to go in. We know he's won the Super Bowl now. He's against all odds. Uh, but they have a really, really good coaching staff, and it starts with Doug Peterson, the way that he can manipulate offenses to work with whichever quarterback he's going with. A healthy quarterback, mind you. Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. um, you know, being hurt for hurt a majority of this year. Yeah, yeah, all the all the back problems he had. Of course, tearing his ACL last year, uh, uh, that attributing to all of that. Uh, a healthy Carson Wentz, we we know what he can do. Uh, we did not see a healthy Carson Wentz. Now that we see, maybe maybe we'll see a hobbled Nick Foles with the rib injuries he suffered, but it sounds like he's going to be at least somewhat good to go. Uh, so we'll see. But I think it's written in the stars that the, the Bears lose this game, which would be great. I, th- I think the Eagles playing the, the, the Saints would be absolutely fantastic. And Seahawks-Cowboys, that's really such a toss-up game for me. Charlie and I looked it up last night. Uh, the spread right now is negative one and a half. Um, wow, which, which essentially actually is pretty much saying they're they're giving a nod to the the Seahawks because I would too. The, the home team when when it's an evenly matched two evenly matched teams, the home team typically gets you know like a, a three and minus a half three, yeah, yeah, or minus yeah. three, yeah. minus three, minus three and a half usually, and now they're only getting you know minus one and a half. Um, wow, super interesting. It's super interesting to me. I I want to know what, Seahawks what, are good, man. No, the, the Seahawks season. are good. I just feel like yeah. Vegas. Vegas knows something we don't. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think something's going on. But the Bears are also favored by six and a half. So, so maybe, maybe they know more <laughs> than we do as well. But we'll, we'll see. I think I think the game's going to be really exciting. Um, and yeah, I'd love to play the Eagles if anything. Um, and then I also want to talk about the other games with you guys: Colts at Texans. Uh, I last night on the show I picked the 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 Colts to win that game in an upset. Definitely not upset of the century. I actually think that a lot of people are, after watching what the Colts can do and Andrew Luck's season, I've seen a lot of people move him into the top three, even top two of their uh, playoff or uh, MVP discussions right now. He has, he's having a heck of a year. He's definitely a top candidate for comeback player of the year. Um, but I think the Colts are on a roll, and the Texans, uh, I still need to see more out of them to convince me that they're a good all-around team. Their defense slips up often. Chargers at Ravens, I think that's a really interesting game too, and that's totally up in the air because 
it depends on which team shows up for both. If, the, if that electric offense shows up for the Chargers, it's still going to be hard for this really good Ravens defense to stop them. But if the Ravens defense that can just suffocate you like they did uh, a few times, uh, three, three to four times this year, they absolutely just suffocated their team with really good pass coverage and really good uh, pursuit of the quarterback. Um, so it, that, that game is a total toss-up for me. Uh, Tyler, I'll, I'll start with you this time. What do you think of okay. those two games, Colts? Texans, Chargers, Ravens over the AFC winners play the Chiefs and and, and the Patriots. Um, yeah, what, what what do you think of those games? Who who do you think comes away with the victories? So Colts and Texans, give me the hot Andrew Luck any day. I uh, I think you know they've got something special going on. T Y Hilton, they've got better offensive line. Everything's working for them, so give it to me there. And the Texans really haven't played anyone that good, you know, and that's the thing. And the Colts are just, you know, it, it doesn't matter what happens. Like, in the playoffs, if you're high at the right time, you're going far. It, it doesn't matter how you did the regular season. Like, if you just get high at the right moment, you're gone. Like, nobody's going to stop you, you know. And it, it's sort of almost like the 09 Saints, you know. They had that magic going, you know. Like, everybody could feel it, you know. And nobody stopped them. Boom. And Super Bowl wins. So, I'm not saying the Colts are making the Super Bowl. I'm just saying they're hot. No, but, you, um, ju- you just said they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm marking that down as Tyler no, no. Saints are predicting the Super Bowl. <laughs> Colts win Super Bowl. Same yeah. as 09. All right. All right. In the books. <laughs> Saints are winning their second Super Bowl. But um, uh, with the Chargers, they're really hot right now. And Phillip Rivers, too. We never mentioned this. He's a hot candidate for the MVP right now. But the Ravens' defense is really, really, really good. So I'm curious to see how the Chargers offense goes, but I'm picking the Chargers offense to win that game. I, re- I really want to see the Chargers uh, go far for the AFC. So, oh, I I uh, pretty much agree with you. Essentially, what are you thinking, Ross? Yeah, man, I'm right there. I'm right there with the uh, right there with uh, with both of y'all actually. But uh, really? but really, I mean, right there with Tyler. I mean, just the idea of I mean, look uh, for when it comes to the Colts. Andrew Luck has been incredible. Like, what an incredible year he's having with everything he had to go through last year. Mm, You're know, talking right? about a, you know, you 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 already uh, talked about him being a comeback uh, player of the year candidate as well as an MVP candidate. They've also got coach of the year candidate there. They've got, I think, the lock for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, and it's exactly, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And Darius Leonard, uh, you know, and he's a young linebacker that I think if the Saints saw the Colts in the Super Bowl, if the if history were to continue to repeat itself. And it was a Saints and Colts Super Bowl here that Darius Leonard is somebody that would give them fits, much like Leighton Vander Esch did uh, for Dallas and stuff. But I, I am all about uh, the Colts winning this out, or not winning this out, but you know, winning. I, I agree. I don't know that they'll make it to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't pick them to go that far. But I've definitely got them picked over the Texans when the Texans were going through their big win streak. They were playing against a ton of teams with losing records, and then the moment that they ran into good teams, the L started to started to rain down. Mm-hmm. And so that was just a big. big big tests for them uh, that I just don't think that they pass in the regular season that tells you everything you need to know about them for the playoffs because the playoffs and postseason football is an entirely different monster and then of course when it comes to uh, the Chargers and the Ravens I think the Chargers are the best team in LA I said it uh, and I think one of the reasons why they're the best team in L.A. is because they did it through genuinely building their team as opposed to the mercenary for hire strategy, ah. which I don't think is invalid. But I just think that the Ooh. idea of bringing in a bunch of people on the one-year contracts makes you really good for one year. But when I'm talking about the best team in L.A., I'm talking about longevity. And I think that Philip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, and all the guys over there that are making their plays and that are um, – and that are doing what they're doing in their in their stub hub center in their little stub hub arena, uh, they're making it work, man. And uh, I think I'd take them over the Ravens as well. I think the Ravens play uh, pretty good. I mean, play very good defense. It, it would be ignorant to say that they didn't. I know I I cracked a joke on Twitter not too long ago when Eric Weddle said something like, "All I know is they don't want to see us," and I tweeted it out and I was like, "Yawns and Creole." Uh, but, but but it's true like they do play good solid solid defense but i stand by that that statement and that idea that yawn because i think that the saints would absolutely demolish them uh at home uh and you know shout out to to justin tucker who almost was my favorite memory of the mm. year he was somebody i was pondering because mm-hmm. the face that he made after that extra point was just priceless yeah. tustin jucker <laughs> tustin jucker moment right there. <laughs> tustin yeah. jucker <laughs> but yeah i'm right there with y'all crazy stuff so if that ends up happening, uh, what, what we're predicting, I think we're both, uh, all, all three of us are set on the Colts winning. I'm still torn uh, Chargers, Ravens, but it sounds like you guys are leaning towards the Chargers. So yeah. that means that the Chargers, 
So the Colts would go on to play the the two seeded Patriots, and the Chargers Ooh. would go on to face the one seeded. Uh, or sorry, no, 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 no. Sorry, man, I keep I keep getting this confused. Man, That's my bad, good. my bad. Colts would play the number one seeded Chiefs, and then the Chargers would play the number two seeded Patriots. Those are so good games. Chiefs going up against the Colts. That's really good. You remember. You guys remember what happened a few years ago when these two teams played in the playoffs against each other. That mm-hmm. absolute meltdown there. One, one of the biggest meltdowns ever. And then um, the, the the Chargers going against the Patriots. That's, I mean, that's two. That's a good game. That's a really good game. That's two. I take the Chargers there, too. I take the Chargers there, too, just because the Patriots' defense is yeah. a little bit too suspect for me. I don't, I don't, I don't think they'd, they'd be able buns. to keep up. Buns. Buns, yes, buns. Absolute <laughs> buns. Um, and the, yeah, Colts, Colts, Chiefs. That's really. But I'd probably still take the Chiefs, but I don't know. It, I, it all depends on momentum, um, and I don't know. The Patriots could have a really nice upper hand playing in Foxborough there against LA, because then LA would have to travel to Baltimore. A week later, travel to New England, Foxborough to play in January. Both games in January and, up in the yeah. Northeast, and they're used to playing in LA. That could factor in a lot that's as huge. well. Um, that's huge, actually. Yeah. That's that's that that's gonna be wild. I'm excited. Either, either way, it's gonna be really exciting. If the, I mean, and, and then if the opposite happens, Texans win, uh, they go up against the uh, Patriots, and then the Ravens win, they go up against the Chiefs. Those are really good games as well. Ravens almost yeah. beat the Chiefs earlier this season, um, and then the the Texans. I mean, if they end up beating the the Colts, that proves a lot of stuff to me. And and the Patriots. That's Bill O'Brien going up against his his former mentor and and Bill Belichick. That's just a lot of storylines there. So, AFC is looking pretty good. NFC, we're just worried because we don't know who the Saints are going to play. Um, <laughs> but, but the matchups there for the Saints are really interesting, specifically on the field, because you could have, uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore going up against Amari Cooper. You could have Marshawn Lattimore um, going up against guys over there in Philadelphia that I don't know if they're going to stay too healthy. So, that would definitely mm-hmm. favor the Saints there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could also have uh, Doug Baldwin or Tyler Lockett, who's had an incredible season, going up against Marshawn Lattimore there. You also have the Saints offensive line could be going up against the, the Cowboys. Uh, we, we've seen what their pass rush can do. We've seen what their front seven with Leighton Van Der Esch, Randy Gregory, David Irving, um, as well as Demarcus Lawrence there. Uh, really, just, really talented guys. Just, um, just real quick on that note, if you don't mind. Go ahead. The difference there being – Ideally, Teron Armstead being there. Yes, exactly. And absolutely. so, so the health, the health, yeah, the health of the Saints' offensive line is absolutely critical because they could face a really good team, but hopefully more healthy, so that the uh, Drew Brees can stay more intact and get more than 130 yards passing in a game against mm-hmm. the Cowboys with a healthy offensive line. Uh, you could also be going up against guys like Fletcher Cox. Um, that's over not there pretty either in Philadelphia. That's not no. That's that's a right. really well disciplined team. Philadelphia is especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so and and of course Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, and and Ross. I want to t- touch on this again, referencing to your podcast about how well they do after getting their fewest touches of the seasons, and then the next few games that they do, uh, the, the, their numbers are just incredible. Specifically, Alvin Kamara, who fewest touches of the season other than his Week 17 sitting was week five against Washington. He only had 10 touches for 39 yards, or 36 yards. And then week six, they had the bye. And then next games after that, he had, what, a combined nine touchdowns in the five games after that, four games after that? Mm. Uh, yeah, it was crazy incredible. Crazy numbers. And Mark Ingram, same thing. As fewest touches of the year, next three games afterwards, he had a lot. He had, he had double-digit touches in all those games and They're a hungry. lot of yards overall. And that includes, obviously, um, uh, rushing and passing or rushing and receiving yards yep. receptions yep. plus uh, but so what the, that that's a huge X factor right there right Ross like the the momentum that these running backs bring after having their fewest touches combined with a bye week being rested that's 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 absolutely huge that that might be the biggest X factor here for whoever the Saints decide to play yeah, it's huge to have that rested backfield because not only do they produce and put up numbers, but, you know, you start giving away the defenses, start giving away those linebackers and vacating the middle of the field and things like that to try to get somebody manned up on those backs, uh, you know, whether it be Mark Ingram or Alvin Kamara. And all of a sudden, you know, you're dropping back and you've got, you know, Drew Brees is dropping back five steps and then he's got the middle of the, you know, the center of the field wide open mm-hmm. and things like that. Or, you know, you put Alvin Kamara out there just like they did in the second half of the Minnesota game. Uh, last year in the playoffs when they started putting uh, sending Alvin Kamara out on those deep routes and everything uh, up against Anthony Barr, and he made that incredible catch for a touchdown. 
uh, to help them seal up or close up that the, the gap that they were trying to close after uh, halftime and everything. And so, I mean, they're big. Like, even even if it doesn't come down to them putting numbers on the board themselves. And, I mean, I think that the combined yardage between the two for the three games following their their lowest amount of touches, I can't remember. I don't have the number in front of me, but it was like 470-something yards and, uh, and eight touchdowns between the two of them mm-hmm. over the regular season, which if you're able to, you know, look, if the Saints can get that kind of production out of them – Absolutely. But the thing about the Saints offense, when it comes to those two running backs, it doesn't just come down to their production on the field. It comes to just the defense being, you know, just having to anticipate that kind of production and what kind of sacrifices they make elsewhere on the field as well, especially with Ted Ginn Jr. back because we saw how much he opened up the field week 16. Tyler, do you have any other mm-hmm. X factors? And and first off, yeah, yeah I, I, I think the most important one definitely is the health of these running backs, the momentum they bring, because it definitely opens up the rest of the game for Drew Brees, who who has looked kind of slow and and quite a few games, especially in the tail end of the season. But when Drew Brees is on, he's on, and it's due to the greatness of his running backs more so than ever this season. But Tyler, yeah, more X factors from you uh, for, for yeah. the Saints overall, pretty much no matter who they go up against. I think it's all. I think it all comes down to the offense, Dane. You know, I think it comes down to. First of all, like we mentioned, offense staying healthy. If you give Drew Brees time to throw, he's going to carve up your defense. It doesn't matter who he's going against. For example, everybody, when uh, the Saints play the Ravens, everybody was like, this is a matchup to watch. Drew Brees versus their crazy defense. How is he going to do it? Still carved up their defense. The Saints still won pretty easily. And man, I can go I can go away with so many more examples. But the thing is, Drew Brees is a surgeon. When he has a good uh, offensive line in front of him. That being said, though, uh, another thing we've said throughout this season, his weapons. Sure, he, he has Michael Thomas. but uh, Sure, he has the running backs. But who do we really have besides that? You know, sure, take a junior's back. That's amazing. But I still love to see more production from Chaquan Smith, Keith Kirkwood, Dan Ardle if he plays. Uh, everybody, Austin Carr, if he plays, Ben Watson, he's retiring this year. I'd love to see some awesome catches out of him. You know, get him a ring uh, before he retires. That'd be cool. And, yeah, and another thing, too, like we've been saying, keep the wheels turning by the running backs, you know. Uh, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, they're excited. They're hyped. We're back in the postseason. Now, the thing is, they got to help out Drew Brees a ton. You've got that perfect complement of running backs to help your quarterback. Everything goes smoothly. I'm telling you, you know how many offensive drives I've seen where defenses, even early in the game, can't stop the one-two punch, you know? And then then you have Drew Brees covering them up through the air. It's it's literally unbeatable. So if all those things go according to plan, we should be fine. Offense won't have any miscues, won't have any penalties. People hopefully shouldn't get hurt. Everything will go great. And hopefully the Saints will be back in the Super Bowl. Yeah, those would be my X factors, though. Tyler, how dare you leave out three-year, $8.4 million man Josh Hill out of the equation for oh, the yeah. Saints <laughs> weapon? Come on, ben man. Watson started right now. So yes, I mentioned I Ben Watson. So. Uh, I do love Josh Hill, the way he's been utilized this Josh season, Hill. when he is utilized, uh, yeah. and, and mainly speaking the you know tight end screens that they like to run for Josh Hill. Obviously, yeah. the, the more athletic uh, tight end there um, for the Saints. But I, I agree with you. It's gonna We're going to need to see the offensive – uh, options for Drew Brees to step up here in the playoffs for sure. Just so, just at least, at the very least, as some sort of security blanket. If for some reason Kamara, Ingram, Thomas are off their great game somehow, and Brees is, is struggling and drowning out there, possibly they we we need reliable guys to at the very least be safety blankets. And Taysom there. Hill too. Taysom Hill as well. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, deception uh-huh. he can run, and and now at times it doesn't even seem like deception. It just regular RPOs with him, and he's just able to make it work. Um, yeah, y'all that, notice y'all notice he's actually been handing off the ball in those yes, RPOs though. Yes, <laughs> he's not greedy anymore, man. He's not. He's not being greedy. Drew Brees one of these times. He went. He went from Kobe to LeBron like real quick. He's been looking at the tablet now. He's went, Ooh, oh, okay. that's right. All right, coach. All right, coach. I got you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm in total greens with both of you guys. Because um, I think I think we're all pretty confident in the defense, right? Even with the debacle against Carolina, I still think that that this defense has has proven themselves. Yeah, um, more so than not. And, yeah, especially with the, the, the two weeks that the Saints get, 
rested up guys on both sides of the ball and the defense gets to kind of uh, regroup and, and re-understand um, a lot of the concepts and packages and whatnot for the Saints. So it, it's going to be good both physically and mentally, uh, I think, especially there for the defense for the Saints. And the final topic, we're going to get into it. Uh, we'll spend a few minutes on this. Obviously, the the coach firings on, I, I don't know if we, if we should still be calling it that after, uh, I think, five African-American head coaches were fired, but Black Monday was upon us. Um, Man. And, of course, yeah, you, had guys, you had guys like Dirk Cutter, Todd Bowles, Adam Gase, Marvin Lewis, who spent 16 years there with the with the Bengals. Way too long. Way, uh, definitely yeah. way too long. Steve <laughs> Wilkes was fired after just one season there in, in Arizona. That, that made a lot of people scratch their heads. Vance Joseph was outed after two years. Um, in Denver, um, and of course, Todd Bowles, Dirk Cutter, and Adam Gase had, had been there with their respective teams for a few years, so Tampa Bay does not have a head coach right now. Um, uh, other than that, besides the Falcons pretty much firing everybody not named Dan Quinn, <laughs> Panthers most likely doing the same thing with Ron Rivera, um, not, not, a, not, not coaching changes there for the other two NFC South foes for the Saints, but for the Buccaneers, it's big because they thought Dirk was going to be the guy. It almost seemed like he was after they f- let go of Lovey Smith, and it just kind of spiraled out of control. Todd Bowles there uh, uh, for the Jets. That's also very interesting because I thought they would give him a little bit more time. But Adam Gase, who's also in the same division there, the Patriots have it really, really easy, man. Adam Gase mm-hmm. and Todd Bowles be- both being let go. Uh, Marvin Lewis, after 16 years, I'm with Tyler a little bit too long. Um, Steve Wilkes, after one, just, just absolutely crazy. And Vance Joseph understandable fire i would have liked to see denver give him one more season but that's just my personal opinion but first off uh whoever wants to take it go ahead and take it first but what do you guys think of these firings any of them really stand out to you as negative and also of course hugh jackson did get fired earlier in the year and as did mike mccarthy um yep. and they, they they're both gonna land other jobs in the nfl um but yeah so what, what did you think of the firings any of them really stand out to you and and could any of these guys find their way to the saints if Pete Carmichael and or Dennis Allen get bigger opportunities because really, really good teams like the Saints usually lose lose their coordinators within the next two two years due to them moving up in the ranks in the NFL or possibly even college. But do you guys think any of these guys might end up on the Saints? Uh, Obviously, Dirk Cutter is is interviewing with the Falcons possibly again. Adam Gase has some interviews lined up. Mike McCarthy could go to the Jets. Um, But just give me your thoughts, guys. Pretty, Pretty big coaching carousel going on. You want to pass or you want no, me to take it? Go ahead, Tyler. I'll follow okay. up. Um, for me, I don't know if I would say – I'm curious to see really uh, what really surprised me the most. I think the big one for me was Mike McCarthy. I was really – well, I think, like, the buddy was in the air. You know, uh, he wasn't really getting along with Aaron Rodgers. Everything was going on. It was the way you know, it happened. Yeah. They sort of yeah. almost, like, tanked to get him gone, you sure. know, and that was crazy. I, I think for me, the biggest thing where I'm really looking forward to – is to see who replaces all these coaches. Yeah. The big one for me has got to be uh, who takes the head coaching spot for Cleveland. You know, you've got the young quarterback, the young team, you know, Juice Landry. You've got everybody. You know, Cleveland has made such a big step this year. They were, I think they were, I think they were 70 and one. Yeah, they were one game away from being 500. Like, we have known this Cleveland team to be so bad for so many years. And they've got a young quarterback now who essentially changed everything by a snap of his fingers. So I'm curious to see where coaches end up and who replaces those vacancies. But the biggest one for me, though, right now has got to be Cleveland. And then the next one would probably be uh, who coaches Aaron Rodgers and who helps Green Bay get back to the playoffs. That's going to be be interesting. How about you, Ross? Well, I think that uh, I mean I love that you bring up that that Browns one because I think Dan Campbell actually has a pretty good good uh, I don't want to say uh, yeah I'll say it I think he's got a pretty good chance at landing that one. You're talking about a guy that's been the assistant coach to one of the best coaches in the league for the last mm-hmm. you know since 2006 at least, uh, and then comes from that Bill Parcells tree because he comes from Sean Payton and everything. Uh, and you know he's he's a guy that's going to know how okay this is how Sean used to work with a quarterback here's how I can work with Baker and things like that. So I think he's going to bring at least a pretty tempting resume there uh but when it comes to uh coaches that might be able to replace uh you know somebody like pete carmichael or uh dennis allen who could be getting a look from other teams and things like that uh there's not really anybody from the the list of the names in terms of the head coaches that have been fired you know mike mccarthy used to be the offensive coordinator in new orleans he was there from 2000 to 2004 but he's going to get another head coaching job for Mm -hmm. sure 
Uh, Todd Bowles mm-hmm. is actually a very good defensive coordinator, uh, but you know he's going to get another head coaching job more than likely. Steve Wilkes and Vance Joseph are the two that I look at as head coaching fires that might end up being coordinator hires because they only each spent one year as a coordinator before getting hired as a head coach. And, you know, sometimes there are those coaches that just not just because it's not like it's not a lesser thing, but there are those guys that are coordinators. That's what they can do. That's what they Mm -hmm. do uh, and everything. And so I think that that would be good. Uh, I think that what's going to keep Pete Carmichael from. Well, it could go either way. Pete Carmichael either could get picked up somewhere else, but because of his lack of play calling experience, because he works with Sean Payton, who calls the plays, uh, that's something that could stand in his way as opposed to somebody like Eric Bieniemy, who's a hot name out there from uh, Kansas City yeah. and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are certain things that might keep Pete Carmichael in New Orleans. Uh, you certainly want to – I certainly want to see him stick around. I think he's he's an incredible asset. He was big for the Saints, came in in 2009 and helped install an offense that won the Super Bowl that year and things like that like that uh but you know in terms of some of the people that are available at the moment there's nobody that really stands out to me as an exciting replacement if the saints do lose somebody but i'm 100 with you tyler i'm excited to yeah. see you know who ends up replacing where and things like that i was yeah. shocked that vance joseph didn't get another shot to be completely honest he was probably my most shocking one uh and then you know i just i shout out to cincinnati for finally doing what they need to do but then they're yeah, going right. to turn around and interview hugh jackson so i don't know mm. if they deserve anything <laughs> yet uh that might just be you know everybody you know they have the rooney rule i don't know if that's going to be their part of the rooney rule and then they're going to move on but uh which is just an unfortunate truth in the nfl but right. uh you know if they turn around and hire hugh jackson and i don't know really what they've done for themselves at that point but dude, yeah oh man that would oh dude Except, mm-hmm. except we get, except we get to sit back and go, not our team. J- yeah, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, yeah. Hashtag not our team. Hashtag couldn't be me. Um, man, Hashtag that would be. Really. Oh, that's great. Also, I just read something. I don't know how true it was because uh, it came from a Packers it has a lot of followers, has over thirty thousand followers, but a Packers Instagram account um, that Josh McDaniels turned down an interview with Cincinnati and is now going to interview with green bay so uh, mm-hmm. i guess that'd be but i don't know josh mcdaniels he doesn't i don't know yeah, I, I, yeah you can't really trust him like you no, can't even trust yeah, him yeah, he paper, man. indianapolis oh man but <laughs> no. they ended up looking out from that because frank Didn't reich is a for great them? head coach yeah. frank reich is fantastic yeah. um yeah yeah this is all really interesting uh, yeah and i'm i'm gonna agree with you ross i don't think any of the guys off this um fired head coaching list one to making their way to New Orleans. I agree. Unless you do yeah. include, it's possible that Hugh Jackson could make his way to New Orleans as, as some oh sort of consultant and assistant yeah, he might, of some he, sort. He might make his way to New Orleans and have some beignets and then he could take there his butt go. home. There you go. That, there man. you go. He, he doesn't yeah. need to hang around here any longer than he does. Nowhere, <laughs> Nowhere near the dome. Nowhere near the dome, please. That's right. We welcome everybody, but then you got to take, you got to go right. home. Right. You got to go right. home. Yeah, enjoy yourself <laughs> in the city. Don't, Maybe don't he go. get that uh, that special assistant gig or oh, something boy. like that, like you were saying, Tyler. I mean, uh, sorry, <laughs> Dayton. <laughs> Definitely would be would be a special time with uh, with Hugh Jackson here in, in New Orleans if uh, that happens. <laughs> but um, any anything could happen in the offseason. The NFL offseason is crazy. But um, that's all the time we have for today. Anything else you guys want to say regarding the the Saints and the playoffs, uh, or or I guess who they could possibly face? Is, is your ultimate prediction Philadelphia, or, or are you just wanting that to happen? My heart says Philly. My brain says Seattle. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I respect that. Um, exactly. You know what? My my heart says Philly. My brain says Dallas. My uh, brain says Dallas. Uh, you really I'm think they'll beat Seattle? I, I, that's just what it's telling me, Tyler. I don't question it, uh. okay? That's just what the universe <laughs> is telling me, okay? I'm feeling Dallas. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, for some reason, I just am, but I really hope it's Philly. Um Man, that that would be really interesting. But that's all the time we have for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Of course, thank you so much to Ross Jackson. Ross, plug away stuff before I pass it off to Tyler for the outro. Thanks for coming on the show today. We'll have you on again soon. But thanks, man. Thanks for coming on today. 
Hey, appreciate it, y'all. First of all, first and foremost, thank you very much for having me. I had a blast with you boys. Thank you for all of the work that you do. We see y'all out here. Y'all are, y'all are, you know, top of the live, man. So I appreciate you taking the time and welcoming me on. Uh, If you want to follow me, uh, those of you that are listening, you can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. I promise I don't always sound like this. I'm just struggling with a voice thing at the moment. Uh, And of course, you can follow uh, All Saints Considered on Twitter at All Saints Blog and their podcast at The ASC Podcast. Uh, You know, we try to bring you, uh, we're actually just bumping up to two episodes a week over there so there's gonna be a lot coming out over there as well and then of course uh, i don't have a twitter account for locked on saints but do search for locked on saints uh you can find us on you know you can find me on itunes google play wherever that is and i'm coming at you every monday through friday with uh like 20 20 to 25 minute episodes every day just keeping you up to date on everything that's there so check me out over there as well and thanks again guys for having me man it was a blast i appreciate it oh yeah and i look forward to next time so yes sir same, same to you ross yeah. thank you uh yeah guys be sure to check it out locked on saints is really really good stuff multiple episodes a week and uh ross sticks to his schedule unlike us so uh please please follow him because uh yeah uh but yeah tyler let's go ahead and uh uh get those outros going oh man it says hey, man, connection thanks, appreciate oh here we go it. so guys go ahead go ahead sorry <laughs> okay <laughs> no you're good man so uh our social media first and foremost although we couldn't be here tonight our main man you know charlie you know him you love him check him out on twitter at st charlie you can follow my good buddy on the other side of the mic dayton brown at dayton underscore brown underscore you can follow me at raymond tyler m and you can follow our official who that dish podcast account at the wdd podcast make sure to check out all of our podcast episodes the links are always on spreaker.com and itunes just search the who that dish podcast make sure to check out who that dish.com if you're not living there you should be as Dayton always puts it. Uh, we have great guys like Tony Twilly and everybody uh, writing amazing articles. Where Anderson, everybody, they put great stuff out there. So check those out. And yeah, I'll throw it back to Dayton. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to and rate us on iTunes. And as always, who dat?